0: Everyone knows that the forest is a magical place. It holds the beauty and wonders of nature. Birds nest in the trees, while foxes bear their pups in the dens burrowed beneath. Deer graze in the safety of its sanctuary, while squirrels tumble through the branches. It is a beautiful place of safety for all creatures, except for one. The forest lures man in with its wonders and beauty. It lures him in with its peace and beautiful song. The forest is a perfect place, an absolutely perfect place for a trap. The beauty of the forest is a disguise for its dark secrets. It is a hiding place where the Baba Yaga lives and waits for her prey. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Baba Yaga, the cannibalistic wicked witch of Slavic folklore that has haunted fairy tales and the forest for centuries. This show is part of the Eerie Cast podcast network, Find more terrifying tales at eeriecast.com, and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow and hopefully the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to Carrion at gmail.com That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-L-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Standing on the wraparound deck of the lookout station at night, you could watch shooting stars sweep across the moonlit skies, sometimes breaking into fragments and showering down to earth, as they slowly vanished. The forest was a magical place. The glass-encased house at Black Butte stood 6,425 feet above sea level. This had been Casey's home during fire season where she served as a lookout for the last four summer seasons. Ponderosa pines, Douglas fir, and western hemlock provide a dense canopy over the mountainside shading numerous creeks and providing a lush habitat for wildlife. Casey McKinney, along with her husband and small son, had made the lookout station in the Deschutes National Forest near Sisters their home for the past four summers. Working for the Oregon Forest Service in a clerical position, the opening for summer lookout watch had been a blessing when the family physician ordered her husband to go somewhere into the mountains for the summer. He was not in a condition to go alone, and the family could not afford for Casey to take off work to accompany him. Her intimate knowledge of the forest service made her valuable in the capacity of lookout. They had enjoyed their first summer so much and it had done such wonders for James' health that Casey signed on for three summers after that. James was a rider, so his work could easily travel with him. Liam had just turned three that first summer and had loved watching the birds and the deer from the safety of the glass loft. There had even been several coyotes that made a regular appearance late in the evenings. At seven, Liam wasn't happy to stay confined inside for long periods, and he could now descend the spiral stairs up and down the tower with ease. It had become a ritual to take hikes to explore the forest and its streams after breakfast and on many evenings before the sun set. While on watch that last summer, Casey had only reported fires on three different occasions. The first was when a camper had burned some broken limbs to clear his campsite. The second was when a large group of campers had broken regulation by building a bonfire. The third had been when lightning had hit a tree sending sparks flying into the dry pine needles covering the ground. It was a surprise when during their evening walk they smelled smoke drifting through the forest. Even though Casey was sure, it was probably another false alarm. She left James playing with Liam by a creek, while she ran back to the lookout to get a better view of the area. She had climbed the stairs leading to the top of the lookout more times than she could count, but never this fast. She was out of breath by the time she reached the top. Scanning the forest in every direction, she did not see any trace of smoke, but just to be safe, she took a second look using the telescope. Still, there was no hint of smoke. Just to be safe, Casey decided to stay and keep a lookout until James and Liam made it back before dark. She decided to go ahead and prepare for their evening meal. She was heating a can of chili and finishing up the fry bread that Liam loved when she noticed that the sun had begun to set. They should have been back by now. A little worry began to take hold so she made her way out onto the deck to get a look in the direction of the forest that she had left them. Expecting to see Liam running ahead of James in a race for the stairs, she was surprised when she saw one lone coyote. It was sitting at the edge of the woods staring up at her. As she stared down at it, the coyote stood and walked towards the forest, stopping once to look back up at her. It made a yipping sound, and then suddenly bounded away into the trees. Casey had the strangest feeling that it was trying to tell her something, which was ridiculous, but on instinct, she decided to follow. After turning the burner off of the chili and covering the bread with a towel, she descended the tower and made her way to the forest trail. She entered the woods in the same spot she had earlier with James and Liam and in the same direction that the coyote had headed. As she stepped into the forest, she was startled to see the coyote standing farther down the trail with its head turned towards her, watching. Once she made eye contact with the coyote, it headed farther down the trail into the forest. It was getting dark as she stepped down the hill where she had last seen James and Liam. Casey stumbled over something laying on the ground, reaching for the flashlight she carried in her pocket religiously. She switched it on and searched the ground to find what had caused her to stumble. Something shiny and red had caught her eye lying next to a tree. It was one of Liam's shoes. She must have kicked it off the trail when she stumbled. Her heart seemed to beat in her throat as she began to imagine the many reasons Liam may be running around in the forest with only one shoe on. There were no truly dangerous animals in the Oregon forests. The coyote was probably the largest predator you could run into. There was an abundance of the two-legged kind that liked to poach deer and other wildlife, but they usually steered clear of ranger stations and the lookout towers. The coyote had stopped at the edge of the creek. It was sitting and watching her as if waiting for her. Casey had the strangest feeling that the coyote wanted to take her to James and Liam. She hadn't seen any other signs of them, and the coyote was heading in the direction she would go with her search, so she followed it. As soon as she took a step in its direction, it jumped onto a rock in the middle of the stream, looked back at her once and jumped again, landing on the other side. Casey took the same steps as the coyote and followed it deeper into the forest as it ran. She kept pace with it until they reached a small clearing, And quickly, the coyote disappeared into a thicket of thorn. She was trying to figure out how to get around the thorns when she heard crying. It sounded like a child. It sounded like Liam. Finally, aware of her surroundings, Casey found herself standing in a clearing where the treetops formed a canopy over a small cabin. It was peculiar in the way that it was built. It looked as if it had legs, and the roof was made of branches heavy with pine needles. There were fireflies dancing all around her. They were landing in her hair and on her face. She was swatting at them when she heard the child's whimpering again. It was coming from the cabin. Casey, ignoring the fireflies, ran towards the cabin, tripping again when she ran into a tiny fence barely thigh-high. She caught her shorts on a jagged corner and cut her leg. She was freeing her bleeding leg when two torchlights burst into flame on each side of the fence. She could now see that she was standing at a gate. The torches illuminated the entire clearing, and she could see more of the detail of her surroundings. Suddenly, feeling like she was caught in the middle of a fairy tale like nightmare, Casey took in the scene. The fence appeared to be made from bones and the torches were skulls, human skulls. Dizzy with confusion and disbelief, Casey came to her senses when she heard the crying again. Disregarding the bones, she opened the gate and stepped inside, still shining the flashlight that she no longer needed, as if it offered some form of protection. She didn't knock on the door. She didn't hesitate to consider what might meet her on the other side. Instead, she flung the door open and barreled in. She only had one thought in mind, and that was to rescue her family from whatever evil had brought them here. The room was dimly lit, with only candles burning for light, and Casey barely held back a scream when a large cat darted between her legs and out the open door.
1: With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator, book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: One of the most famous witches in Slavic folklore, Baba Yaga is also the most confusing. When you meet her, will she be friend or foe? Will she grant you wishes or cook you up for her next meal? According to Slavic folklore, Baba Yaga is a wild old woman, a witch, a mistress of magic, and a mythical creature. She is also seen as a forest sprite, leading hosts of spirits. If you were to meet Baba Yaga, how would you know that she was not some ordinary witch? Seeking out her help could be a dangerous quest, so it is important that you recognize her and know her tricks. In Russian tale, Baba Yaga is portrayed as a hag who flies through the air in a mortar which she steers using a pestle as a rudder. As she flies, leaving pestle-swiping pestle marks in her wake, she sweeps away her tracks using a broom made of silver birch. Her pestle she also may use to grind up the bones of her victims before cooking and devouring them. The Russian witch is described as a deformed, scraggly old woman with bony legs, a very long, crooked nose, piercing cold eyes and iron teeth. Every single body part, including her eyes, ears, feet, hands and mouth, are grotesque and deformed. With a demeanor that is powerful and highly tempestuous, she instills fear and guarded respect in everyone that she encounters. The Russian Baba, which lives deep in the dark forest, She owns a hut that's more like an animal than a house. It has skinny chicken legs that can run through the forest to avoid anyone looking for the witch. The bright windows are its eyes that keep a lookout for intruders, and the fence posts around her hut are made from old human bones. Atop each fence post sits a human skull to scare away those who come near. In some stories, the fence has one pole lacking a skull leaving a place where she can threaten to place the visitor's skull after eating them. When her house moves, it spins and screeches to a halt and settles down into a place with loud groans and creaks. When a visitor arrives, the shy house turns its back. In another legend, the house does not reveal the door until it's told a magical phrase. Turn your back to the forest, turn your front to me. When the visitor enters the hut, Baba Yaga asks one simple question Did you come here of your own free will? Or were you sent here? There is only one right answer to this question. Baba Yaga has no power over those who are pure of heart or blessed. Pure of heart means that the visitor is protected by the power of love or virtue while blessed signifies the protection of a mother's blessing. In some tales her house is connected with three riders She is served by invisible servants inside the house. She will explain about the riders if asked, but may kill a visitor who inquires about the servants. Inside her house you will usually find her stretching across her cooking stove, the enormous stove itself reaching from one side of the hut to the other. The stove is a common detail in tales of the Baba Yaga, as the punishment for the failure of certain tasks is being cooked and eaten. Baba Yaga has, according to some stories, a frightening ability to remove her hands from her body so she can have them do her bidding. There is a theory that descriptions of Baba Yaga's hut originated from ancient constructions of Slavic or Sami storehouses, which were often built on dead tree trunks and guarded many animistic idols to prevent thievery and spoilage. Add some European witch tropes and you're getting close to Baba Yaga. Interestingly, Baba Yaga is not purely evil. While she does have a penchant for death and cannibalism, those heroes that can outwit her earn her respect, and she's happy to help them. Despite being first referenced in a 1755 Russian grammar book, the legend of Baba Yaga is believed to hail back to ancient oral tales, tales that storytellers have reconstructed and built upon over the years to make her what she is today a spooky old ugly woman who is both villain and benefactor, witch and mother figure. The Slavic witch has the power to help or hurt anyone who crosses her path. Those who seek her wisdom, truth and knowledge must first complete several tasks. Only upon completion of the tasks will she provide help. If the tasks are not fulfilled and the seekers have not found a way to escape, she will cook and eat them. One version of the tale closely resembles the story of Hansel and Gretel. Two children enter Baba Yaga's hut and she gives them impossible tasks to complete. If they do not fulfill the tasks, she will put them in the oven and cook them for dinner. They can escape with the help of some talking forest creatures, a tree and a gate. Another story tells of a young girl, Vasilisa the Beautiful, who seeks Baba Yaga's help to find some firelight. Young Vasilisa is forced to bring light back to her home and is told to get some from Baba Yaga by her evil stepmother and stepsisters. She approaches Baba Yaga's hut, which is decorated with human bones and surrounded by bone stakes topped with skulls. After pleasing the witch, Vasilisa is able to bring back a human skull with gleaming eyes and a low, dull voice, which she carries through the forest back to her family. When she returns, the skull tells her to place it on the table, and the light from the skull's eyes burns her stepmother and stepsisters to ashes. Whether it's movies, TV shows or books, Baba Yaga continually makes appearances in modern culture. Here are just a few of those appearances. Hellboy Appearing in the comic book series, Baba Yaga also appears in the 2019 movie. In the film, Hellboy travels to 1964 Russia to solve a string of child abductions. Enter Baba Yaga, an ensuing fight between these two beings. John Wick, played by Keanu Reeves. John Wick is a BA assassin who got on the wrong side of one too many players in the assassin game. But his skill and instinct make him seemingly impossible to kill. And as a result, others in his trade call him Baba Yaga. Bartok the Magnificent. If you've seen Anastasia, you'll know this lovable, though villainous, bat. He got his own sequel film in which Baba Yaga kidnaps the young Tsar of Moscow. The townspeople call on Bartok, who in an earlier con killed a savage bear, aka his business partner, Zozi. Zozi and Bartok have no choice but to hunt down Baba Yaga and rescue the young Tsar. In 2020, Baba Yaga finally got her chance to shine on the big screen when the character became the main antagonist of the Russian supernatural horror film Baba Yaga, Terror of the Dark Forest. The film centers on a young family that moves to a new apartment in the outskirts of the big city. The nanny they hired to look after their newborn daughter quickly becomes trustworthy. However, the eldest boy, Igor, notices frightening behavior of the woman. But his parents do not believe him. The surveillance cameras installed by his father for reassurance only confirm that everything is in order. However, one day Igor returns home and does not find any traces of either the nanny or his little sister. His parents seem to be in a strange trance and do not even remember that they have ever had a daughter. Then Igor, together with his friends, arranges a search, during which they find out that the disappeared nanny is an ancient Slavic demon called Baba Yaga. Evil witches and fairy tales are scary, but none compared to this ancient Slavic legend. Somewhere in Eastern Europe, where the winters are cold and long, there is a very dark, foreboding forest. If you are brave, or foolish enough to wander through the towering trees, you might encounter Baba Yaga. The cabin was much larger on the inside than it appeared to be on the outside, and it had a foul odor that was vaguely familiar, but that Casey could not immediately place. There was an old cook stove that ran almost the full length of the back wall, except for a few feet on one side where there was a door with a heavy padlock. There were pots on the stove with fire simmering beneath them. Casey could still hear the whimpering that seemed to be coming from behind the locked door. She called out to James and Liam, but there was no sound. Even the crying had ceased. She looked around the room, hoping to locate a key, but instead noticed more furnishings as the room seemed to grow before her eyes. There was a large sofa along the wall and by the door she had just entered on both sides were large windows. Beneath the first window was a table with one rickety chair. Beneath the other window was a row of cages. Casey walked over to the table, but there was no sign of a key. She walked over to the cages and jumped back when she saw movement. In one of the cages was a small animal. It was scraggly, but it looked like a coyote similar to the one she had followed there. It shied away when she got close, cowering in the corner of the cage as if it was trying to disappear. Its eyes grew large with fear, and it whined sadly. Casey's heart ached for the creature, but she had to focus on finding the key to the door because she was sure that James and Liam were locked behind it. She began to search the sofa, lifting cushions and making large clouds of dust when she heard the door creak open. Casey dove beneath the table, trying to make herself small the same way the caged animal had done moments before. She watched from beneath the table as a large woman entered the room. She had her back to Casey at first, but then she slowly turned, and Casey's breath caught in her throat as she saw the disfigured hideous face of the woman. She had long patches of yellowing hair hanging from her scalp, but in most places she was bald. She had eyes that were bloodshot and red, but there were no pupils. They were cloudy and white where the pupils should have been. Her eyes looked in two different directions, if they were even seeing at all, and they were set above where her nose should have been, but instead there was a rotted cavern. Casey watched in horror as a fly crawled out over her nose cavity and the crone opened her mouth and slid a long lizard-like tongue out between jagged teeth and snatched the fly, swallowing it with a gulp. Who is here? The crone suddenly asked. No need to hide, my dear. I can smell my next meal from a mile away. That's when Casey saw the keys. They were dangling from a heavy chain that was buried in the shiny, sweat-dripping folds around the crone's neck. You smell like the others. You can join them in their cage, and I will prepare to have three for dinner instead of two. That is good. I am so hungry. Her tongue slid out again as she licked her shriveled lips. Casey almost gagged at the sight and immediately covered her mouth with her hand. Quickly, with a speed unexpected, the crone's head whipped around and she looked right at Casey. Casey froze. There was nowhere to run. She was cornered. The crone hobbled towards her, making the wooden floorboards groan with a strain of her weight. Reaching down, she grabbed Casey by the ankle and drug her out from underneath the table. She was amazingly strong. Casey could feel the bruising that would most likely be forming already. The old woman didn't utter another word as she drug her, kicking and screaming to no avail, all the way to the locked door. Taking the keys from her neck, she unlocked the door with her free hand and placed the keys on a small hook on the wall before swinging the door open. Casey fought the entire way as the monstrous woman drug her down an unbelievingly long hallway lined with doors. When she finally reached what looked like the end of the hallway, Casey was nearly exhausted, but she tried to summon the strength for one more fight but just as she inhaled, the woman brought a large hairy foot down with all of her weight right in the middle of Casey's stomach. Suddenly, her head began to swim, and she couldn't breathe. She gasped frantically for air and finally caught just enough in her lungs for a breath as the door slammed shut. Casey heard a heavy bar slide and a bolt as the witch locked the door behind her. Don't worry, I won't be gone long. Casey was fighting back her own tears when she heard Liam crying. Mama! She spun around and winced from the pain in her midsection. There slumped against the wall was James, with his eyes closed and the left side of his face swollen and covered in blood. Clinging to his arm was Liam. The little boy was terrified but seemed unharmed. Casey quickly inspected him, pushing up his sleeves and lifting his shirt to make sure that he was okay. Daddy tried to fight, but she hit him in the head with a rock. Then she drug us both here, Liam explained. He seemed relieved that she was there, but was obviously still scared. Casey examined the injury on James' head. It didn't seem too deep. The crone must have hit him just hard enough to knock him out. I need him alive until the end. Don't want to spoil the sweet meat. Casey heard the crone say from down the hall. The old hag seemed to be blind, but had an impeccable sense of smell, and apparently her ability to hear was quite strong too. Casey reached into her pocket and pulled out a pocket knife. She put her finger to her lips as she looked at Liam, motioning for him to stay quiet. She had a plan. It wasn't much of one, but it's all she had. It felt like hours that they sat and waited. Finally, James was beginning to stir when they heard the floor start to groan and creak as the crone made her way back down the hall towards them. Casey held Liam's hand tight and gave him a reassuring nod before closing her eyes and pretending to sleep. Casey listened as the door was swung open, and she heard James start to fight as he was fully awakened by the crone trying to drag him from the cell. Liam was crying again as the crone reached to grab him too. The moment had come that Casey was waiting for, While the crone was trying to drag James and Liam from the cell, she had turned her back to Casey. Casey pulled the knife from behind her back and lunged at the old woman. Before the crone knew what had hit her, Casey had plunged the pocket knife deep into her neck. Stunned, James and Liam stared at the hideous old woman bleeding in the floor. Casey grabbed Liam by the arm and pulled him up. When she did this, James snapped out of it too and jumped to his feet. They made it past the old woman and out the door. They ran down the hallway and Casey grabbed the keys intending to lock the witch in, but then she remembered the coyote in the cage. Mama, what are you doing? Come on! Liam was yelling at her from the doorway as James was trying to pull him out of the cabin. I must set her free. She is the reason I found you, Casey told them. Casey was fumbling with the keys trying to figure out which one opened the lock on the cage when she heard thundering footsteps and yelling coming from the hallway and headed in her direction. It was the crone. She was still alive and she was angry. The last key she tried finally slipped perfectly into the lock. She swung the door open and without hesitation, the coyote jumped out and ran for the open door. The crone burst through the door and grabbed a handful of Casey's hair just as she ran through the door. Casey yelped in pain but did not stop, leaving a chunk of hair in the crone's fist. Standing on the other side of the gate were James and Liam beckoning for her to hurry. Casey ran for her life across the yard past the sculled torches and through the gate. They did not stop for a reunion. Instead, they ran until the sound of roaring behind them caused them to look back, and then they stopped. What they saw was nothing if not pure dark magic. The cabin was engulfed by wind spiraling around it in a vortex that ripped the cabin from its chicken-like stilts and sucked it up into the sky. Casey, James, and Liam were standing in the clearing, lit by the moonlight and fireflies. Hearing a happy yipping, Casey turned, and there in the path heading back towards the stream was the coyote that had led her to the cabin. He was having a reunion of his own, as the other coyote joined him, and they rubbed noses before running off together into the forest. The coyote stopped once to look back one final time at Casey. And without words, she nodded towards him, and thanks. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as we talk about El Chupacabra, the blood-sucking cryptid from Latin America. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.